Hello and welcome to the Highway to Health show. In today's episode, I'm joined by Laura DeFranco, who is a powerhouse of a woman. Seriously, let me tell you, this was not an interview that I was expecting to be so amazing and eye-opening. In fact, as you listen, you will notice that I rambled quite a bit and just went off script at some point because of the things I discovered about her that made me want to delve deeper into specific topics. I'm sure you'll enjoy it tremendously. But before we get to it, let me remind you that last week we had Dr. Orlina join us. She's a physician who moved with her family from the UK to Spain and now is able to live a more fulfilled life, enjoy time with her kids, and empower women all around the world through online coaching and mentoring. We spoke about what holds people back from pursuing their ideal lives and how she helps them discover this and reach their potential. That was in episode 17 in case you missed it. And of course, you can't have a legit podcast without sponsors, right? So this episode is brought to you by our Highway to Health Facebook group. If you haven't yet joined, you can request to do so by going over to Dr. E, that's D-R-E dot show forward slash group and click on the appropriate button. You can also find that link on this episode's description, by the way. But now here's my conversation with Laura DeFranco. I hope you enjoy it. And remember, you're on the Highway to Health and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy. And joining me today is Laura DeFranco. She's a master in physical therapy and is the owner of Brave Healer Productions. I shared a little bit of information with all of you guys during the introduction, but I'll let her introduce herself. So, Laura, hi. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, so I've been practicing physical therapy, holistic physical therapy for almost 30 years now. I'm a six-time published poet and author and an inspirational speaker, and I'm also a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Wow. So I do a lot of things. I, you know, whatever that TED Talk is that I watched the other day about the multi-potentialites, that's definitely me. I love dabbling in lots of different ways. That's great. That's great. And they seem so diverse, but there is clearly a connection there, isn't there? Yeah, there for sure is. And mostly that is a healing connection, just inspiring people and educating people and encouraging people to build a foundation of awareness that really is the path to healing. And then all of those things I mentioned, you know, whether it's physical therapy or the martial arts or writing, there is that aspect of healing. That's that thread that runs through everything that I do. Yeah, that's very, very important because a lot of the times we try to do a lot of different things, but if there's not that common thread putting them together, it's so hard to stay on top of all of them. But on the other hand, when you're able to really connect the different aspects of your life, it is just one single thing that is just joined together and it's so much more powerful. It is. And I think the biggest thing I've learned about that is that when the thread overall ends up being joy as a basic purpose, then it doesn't even really matter what you choose to do. Like, you know, who you are isn't really what you do. 
And it took a while for me to get to the point of really understanding who I was and what this purpose was. And really, I just love to talk about that thread, always tying back to joy. It's just really simple. Well, that was exactly what I was going to ask you next. How did these different pieces start fall together? What's been your journey so far? Well, the healing journey, I can trace back all the way to my teenage years. I started to do a couple of things way back then. One of them was journaling. And the other was just being interested in my body and mind and peak performance. I was always an athlete. I started with soccer and played soccer all the way through college. And then I did marathon running and then I did the martial arts. So I'm kind of a lifelong athlete. And that fascination with what made people tick, but not just made them tick kind of in a mediocre way, what really helped them tick in a peak performing way. And so starting to do a lot of writing back then, but didn't really even know what that was all about until much later, started my career. You have a lot of things that happen in your life that for me felt like layers one upon the other. And I look back at all of those layers as different opportunities I had to kind of keep stepping forward. And I think if you ask me what the main thing was along that whole journey, it was conquering the fears and really learning to have a little bit more fun with those fears, like reframing it and realizing that my fear of not good enough and my fear, this perfectionism thing, oh my gosh, that started to feel boring after a while. And that's a topic I could talk a lot about. So (laughs) that's actually something that I'm very interested in because I see it being very common, especially amongst our listeners in this show. And we talk a lot about a lot of different things, not just about health per se. So not just what people would think about as health. So it's not only nutrition, not only exercise, but we talk a lot about mindset. We talk a lot about self-fulfillment. And now that you mentioned peak performance, and now that you mentioned just that fear of, are you good enough? I see that being very, very common in pretty much everyone. It's crazy how much we're held back by that fear, by that belief that we're not good enough to do this, or somebody else is better than this, and we simply don't start. How do you help your clients, your patients? How do you help them overcome this fear that you've overcome yourself? Well, it's really by sharing a particular story. You know, I had a woman reach out to me on my Facebook Messenger, and she was a stranger to me at the time. She reached out and she messaged me and she said, Hey, I read something that you wrote on Mind Body Green, and I really loved it. Would you send me some more links? And, you know, I I don't pay attention to that messenger very often, but that day I did for some reason. And I saw this note. And I thought, oh, well, that's easy. And I typed her back. I said, sure, hang on. I'll get you a couple things to read. But I went a step further. And after we chatted a little bit, I learned that she had been really severely depressed. She was a mother of five. And I sent her some links. And then I went a step further and I wrote a blog and anonymously dedicated it to her. It was about self-care. Like, you know, these different ways you need to take care of yourself, why that's a necessity and not a luxury, especially for parents and especially for a mother of five, right? And I invited my audience at the time to step up with comments. I knew I had other mothers in my audience. I knew I had healers. I knew I had all these beautiful people, you know, that could give her some advice and love and support. And they did. 
they made all kinds of beautiful comments for her. And she came on there. And I think what happened is she just felt hope for the very first time. What I didn't know at the time was that she had actually been planning her own suicide. And the note that she would write to her husband and five kids and fast forward for you. She and I became friends. She joined a program that I was running and she went on to write her own two blogs for the world, a real story about her depression. And then a second blog, which was a call out to other mothers. Hey, reach out. You can do this type of thing. I'm telling you, if that is the only thing that I ever do is help somebody like that, I'm good, right? So now I can say to you and some of the people listening in your audience, your fear of not good enough is boring. What if what you have to share would change or save somebody's life, right? And so I'm telling you, that drives me every single day at this point. And if I'm feeling fear or anxious about sharing an authentic story with you all, it's just obliterated by that experience. Wow, that's an amazing experience. And you're absolutely right. A lot of the times we feel like our story isn't good enough. Our background isn't good enough. Somebody else's is better and they should be doing this. And then we hold ourselves back and we don't really step forward. And we never know how we could have that super amazing impact that you just had on this one person. And there's all the time that you've been doing this, you have no idea how many more people you've impacted in this way. Exactly. I feel extremely lucky that I even know that story, that I could even tell that story because a lot of people don't reach out. And you have to remember that you're still touching people, even if they aren't saying anything about it or reaching out. And you mentioned comparison. Comparison to what other people are doing is totally paralyzing. Don't do it. The minute you start looking at what everyone else is doing, you will get stopped up so fast. And then you're just in your head about the doubts and the fears and the not good enough. And look, they're already doing this thing that I'm doing now. You know, there's how many people in this world? Seven billion. We have a few people we can help, you know, even if we're doing the exact same thing as 10 other people. Exactly. Exactly. That is so true. Now, you mentioned something about giving her hope. How important is hope in your line of work? You're making me think of when somebody will come for kind of a more traditional physical therapy visit, and they may come to me at the point that they've seen five other therapists, several doctors, whatever, you know, and they're kind of at the desperate stage, but they're still seeking. They still know that there's more, that there's relief, opportunity for relief. And that hope, just showing somebody something new, giving them a new way to think about something, connecting them with other people. It's everything. Don't you think? I do. Well, I totally agree with you. For a long time, I used to run a stem cell clinic. And even before stem cell treatments were so popular, right? And we dealt with a lot of patients who had these previously untreatable conditions. And they had been given a diagnosis three, four, five, seven years ago. And they were told, well, there's nothing we can do. And it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And this medication will hopefully slow it down. But you're going downhill. And that's exactly what they were looking for a lot of the times. They weren't looking to be cured. They weren't looking to be completely rid of it. They just wanted to have hope. They wanted somebody to say, you know what? I think there's something we can do. Yes, because in that instant is a tiny bit of healing. 
that moment you gave them that hope, they got to think about that just a little bit differently. Everything shifts from there. And there's an energy that shifts as well from a negative to a positive. And that's got a physiological effect inside of you, right? So if you can give somebody that gift, that shift, the gift of the shift, (laughs) then you can really, really help them move forward probably faster than they ever have before. Exactly. And the thing is, it doesn't at all go against any other kind of treatment or physical therapy. It's not like you ask them to change their mindset instead of doing the physical therapy. And for us physicians, it's not like we ask them to change their mindset instead of whatever therapeutic or surgical treatment we're proposing. It's just a matter of the synergy of when you are actually able to put that hope and to really embody those feelings and those thoughts, then any kind of intervention is going to be so much more efficient. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. It will enhance anything they're doing. That's so important. How much time do you actually spend working on this with your patients, with your clients? So people who go in to see you, you know, you refer to yourself as a holistic physical therapist. So it's not just the exercises, it's not just the strengthening. How much time is your practice dedicated on addressing these things? Well, honestly, it's from the first outreach. It's on the first phone call. It's in the interview. It's when they arrive and we're talking and connecting. It's the entire time. And you probably know, too, that when you're helping facilitate a healing process in somebody, you yourself have to walk that walk. You have to be with them in a grounded and centered and open, aware way. And that starts from the phone call. I would even say from the email, like the way that you express yourself and the way that you even describe your services. So gosh, I don't think you can separate, at least I don't do that. I start from the beginning and it moves all the way through whatever I'm doing, including guiding exercises, hands-on types of treatments, working on corrective exercise, all of it. Now, your kind of practice also allows you to work with people who aren't physically where you're at, right? Of course. Yes. And that is, I don't know, everyone's a coach these days, right? (laughs) So I love to call myself a strategist. And those kinds of people that I'm guiding in that part of the work that I do are usually fellow healers who are just learning how to share themselves, their messages, their inspirations with their audiences. And sometimes the people who talk about fear and inspire other people, we have the most fear. It's just that we're actually moving through it and getting over it and doing something about it. So you know how they say you teach what you most need to learn? I really believe that. So yeah, I'm doing that remotely, you know, doing some Zoom workshops, doing some coaching, all that kind of stuff. It's fun. So it's actually quite interesting. You're not just doing this for clients or patients. You're also teaching other practitioners. Now, is this just for physical therapists or is it pretty much any discipline? I love to work with any healer in any discipline who's ready to share their message out loud. And, you know, sometimes in the healing realm and healer is a big word, right? 
There's everybody from licensed professional healthcare practitioners all the way to energy workers or people who identify as energy or light workers. And we could have that sort of more woo-woo discussion, right? I love that. There's all of them. But basically, this is about the fact that when you share your story, you have a moment of healing in the sharing, but the person listening or reading even also has a moment of that healing. So our storytelling is important. And it can be very powerful, like you heard in my story that I shared with you. So yeah, any kind of healer, anybody facilitating a process of healing in another person, I was going to say just person, but even I've had veterinarians who want to express their message, you know, so any creature. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So you mentioned something about woo-woo and... (laughs) Go for it. How do you actually deal with that very common belief that everything that people don't naturally understand or can see is automatically woo-woo? You know, I believe that one of the reasons I do what I do is to bridge the gap right now. And so bring those concepts into kind of a more mainstream conversation because energy is real and there's a scientific background to energy. And so every way that we talk about it, if you want to talk about law of attraction topics or healing topics, it really isn't woo. It's just a funny word, I think, that we use to get people's attention. And especially people like me and like you who've got a degree, a scientific background, we've got the medical kinds of degrees. Well, the more you learn about the other ways to help somebody heal, the more exciting your practice actually gets. And all of the opportunities we have to teach people to use their mind, their mindset to do the healing. I don't know if you're a Dr. Joe Dispenza fan, but he's got some really awesome books and stuff about the science behind the woo-woo stuff. (laughs) So it's not really woo-woo. It really is some good, real stuff that's very powerful for healing. Yeah, no, in, in my experience and part of my story as well, When I went from traditional 100% westernized type of medicine training into started working with regenerative medicine, and that led me to work with certain communities, in particular with the autism community. And you start, you know, at first you start hearing these stories and you automatically dismiss them as like, ah, that's not possible. Yeah, well, that's what you wanted to believe and so on. But then when you keep hearing them over and over and over, then eventually it piques your curiosity and you start learning a little bit about it. And you start educating yourself. And I'm not going to say that it completely changes your mindset. But one thing that I can certainly say is that when we started seeing patients who were involved and they had that mindset shift in terms of, okay, they were just as committed with their treatment. They were just as committed with their healing. They started doing all these different shifts in their mindset we started seeing better results. And I can't really come and say, well, here's all the research and all the published literature and whatnot. But truth of the matter is, who cares? Exactly. Patients are doing better. Who am I to judge it? Who am I to say, no, you must be making this up? At the end of the day, if the results clinically are improving and the patient's feeling better, and they claim that it was because they firmly believed that they would get better, what do I care? Why am I so obsessed about saying, no, well, it can't be that. It must have been this or it must have been that, correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. That is so true. And I'm like you, I'm going to help people with what I have found works, period. 
And that result will speak for itself, really. I think the most authentic healers don't get attached to how something happens, especially when it's positive outcome for a patient. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're always curious and you want to figure out like, okay, what was it? But most of the time, the more and more I see this, the more inclined I am to think that it must have been the combination of things. We tend to want to find the one specific thing that changed everything, right? It was this that made the difference. But in reality, what if it was actually the combination of it? Right. Always. It's always a combination because you can't separate those things in somebody anyway. It's always a combination of many things at once, you know? Now, in your practice, what would you say is if there is any like prevalent kind of work or kind of patients that you normally work with? Is there something in particular that you're seeing a lot of or is it just like super broad spectrum? Nowadays, it's more complex and chronic type of pain issues because I've been doing what I do for so long and you know, you spoke about it earlier, just when you're looking at somebody holistically, and you might be the first person to give them the time that they need to actually talk about the stresses, for instance, and you're integrating the mind, body and soul in your interview in your diagnosis, your evaluation, your treatment. What happens is I end up seeing the people who have had the most chronic and complex kinds of syndromes and illnesses. A lot of TMJ clients will come to me because a lot of the time TMJ isn't TMJ at all. It has to do with a whole body problem. And nobody's looked at the whole system before that. They've just laser beam focused into that one joint. Well, that one joint is tied to the whole rest of the body, right? So the specialization really for me is a combination of the hands-on modalities. I practice John Barnes, myofascial release, and some craniosacral therapy, a lot of hands-on techniques that are mind-body kinds of techniques. And I combine that with corrective exercise. Again, I diagnose and treat out of the box because a lot of these people have been through all the traditional avenues with no results. That's kind of a long answer for that question, but. (laughs) That's actually what I wanted to learn about. And you and I spoke a little bit about this before we started recording, but maybe can you share with our listeners what really is myofascial release? Because that's a term that we hear. I'm not going to say that we hear it every day, but it is a term that we hear about. I'm sure that many of the people listening aren't really familiar with it and what it does. Yeah, it's a fantastic thing to learn about. Your fascia is the connective tissue inside your body, and it's a three-dimensional web of tissue that connects from the head to the toes. It makes up, surrounds, and connects everything that you have on the insides, you know, bones, muscles, nerves, blood vessels. And so this web of tissue can be restricted for many, many reasons. We could make a list of reasons, injuries, surgeries, inflammation, so many reasons, right? The tissue will get bound up and restricted, dehydrated. And when it's unhealthy, it kind of gets harder and dehydrated, maybe like you would think of a scar tissue, you know, an adhesion or a scar tissue. So myofascial release addresses the restrictions in that system. And I'm right now only speaking of the physical fascial restrictions. There is an emotional and or a traumatic 
reason that we can have restrictions too, because you have to remember that energy, the energy of a trauma becomes a physiological problem inside the body. And that happens in the fascial tissue. So the release can address everything from physical to emotional restrictions. And it's a combination of stretch and pressure, hands-on stretch and pressure. And, you know, to try to keep the description as basic as possible, we're taught to address the entire web, the entire system all at once. So we might be doing a technique at one part of the body and the person feels something in another part of their body. And that's weird, you know, at first. But when you look at the web on the inside and you understand those connections, you can see how the tug or the pull, the abnormal pressure of the restriction in there might be causing a sensation at the other part of the body. This is kind of like the spider web that's a beautiful, the kind with the rings. And it's all perfectly made sitting there and the fly comes up and it flies into the top right corner of the web and it makes a knot. And you can kind of understand how that pulls on every other strand of the web. So in a body, somebody might feel where the pull is happening on the other side of the body, the other opposite corner. Doctors and the therapists and everybody go at that place of pain and they never find the fly. And that's the problem with most of our Western medical peace-parted system is that they're not looking at you as a whole system like that. Wow, that's a great analogy. And I think it makes it very clear. And you're absolutely right. The traditional medical establishment is constantly just focusing more and more into smaller and smaller areas because we believe that that's the one thing. But the more we know about it, the more we learn about this whole thing, the more we understand that everything is interconnected and everything is related. And once we think that we've really understood how something works, we realize that we're not even remotely close. Now, you mentioned as well something about not just physical, but also emotional trauma. Is this also kind of like what happens when you suffer something emotional and you literally tense up every time something like that happens or something like that might happen? For instance, people who have been in a car crash, one thing, it's the physical trauma of actually being in a car crash, but then it's the emotional trauma that carries on whenever they're in a similar situation or they see a car closing by or they see something like that. They literally tense up. Is this also something that they carry along and that they need to eventually look into releasing? Oh, yeah, of course. So car accidents, a great example, actually, because there's an impact and it depends on the level of injury, right? From everything from a mild whiplash to a very serious accident where you might have broken a bone or even worse. So again, how can we have a conversation about a physical insult without having the same conversation and including the mental and emotional trauma that your system incurred at that moment? All of the different fear that comes with being hurt, the situation, even afterward can be stressful when you're trying to rehabilitate and you're not working or whatever, the family members around you trying to support you. There's so many things. It's so complicated. And you didn't say the words post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, a lot of the time that conversation is saved for 
warriors. But honestly, in any trauma, you're going to have that sort of trigger reaction after. And a car accident is one of the greatest examples of that. You know, it's hard for people to get back in the car again after they've been in that accident. So yeah, helping people to heal in all of those aspects, the mental, emotional, and physical together so that they can move back into their life, not feeling like they're constantly tensing over every little thing. Even as a passenger, someone hits the brakes and you're off, you know, and your body is going a little bit crazy. So I dream of the day that the therapist will be both a psychotherapist and a physical therapist at the same time, right? And I think a lot of people are doing integrated kinds of therapies, but we haven't figured out, I don't think we've figured out that one practitioner. I know that the somato-emotional therapists are getting close because they know the dialoguing and they know the hands-on. And so I think it's always a combination. And that's why I practice things like the myofascial release and the craniosacral, because we're taught how to deal with somebody that is in that state that you're talking about. And it's really, really important. And you know what's even more important? For the people who are listening, interview your people before you just go and sign up for your session. Understand what training they have. See if they even have a holistic component to their practice. There's a few questions you can ask. Yeah. And I think even before that, and that was actually going to be my next question, what do you think are the telltale signs of these kind of traumas that we're carrying along? I'm sure that a lot of people listening now are starting to think back to certain events in their life. They're starting to think of certain things. How would they recognize these and say, wow, you know what? Maybe that is something that I should look into. Well, I mean, along with the maybe more obvious and easy answer is just the physical pain and tightness, maybe some things that you could do before you're starting to not be able to do. And that's just kind of on a straight physical level. And that's usually the reason people access somebody in the first place. So that's easy. But what about you're just not as happy? You're waking up and your days are feeling, you're feeling them more with dread you don't have as much joy. Maybe you have a bit more anxiety than you used to. You're snapping at people. You're reacting verbally or mentally. You're noticing your own patterns of negativity more and more. And essentially, I want to encourage people, that's not normal. You can live with a lot of joy. We're meant to live with joy. And so if you have been kind of on autopilot zombie mode for a while, it's tough because you don't even realize you're in there. Sometimes a family member or a friend will be the one to look at you and kind of go, hey, and you're like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. But really, we need to pay attention to those loved ones and those people who are seeing things that we can't see and hearing things that they aren't used to. So those are some of the ways that I think show up. Yeah, because I think it is incredibly valuable what you've shared with us. Help us understand that literally our fascia can carry along the memory of emotional trauma. We tend to think of emotional trauma as something purely psychological. It's something that, you know what, it's just I have this trauma and it always pops up in my head. But in reality, what you just shared with us, which is something that I knew, but I'm sure that a lot of people listening really didn't know, is that we're carrying that physical memory 
of the emotional trauma. And that's why when we're in similar situations, we get triggered and we literally start feeling tense and we start feeling in pain and we start feeling all these same feelings that we experienced that one particular time. Yes, exactly. And there are many beautiful ways to heal those places in your physical tissues inside of the fascia. And there are many different mind body ways to shift the energy and start to heal and feel better. Thank you for this conversation that is so open to talking about all of those different ways for people because there's so many different kinds of people, which means there are many, many different kinds of healing journeys they can take. And no one thing is always good for everybody. So I really enjoy talking about it in all these different ways. And again, to give people hope, maybe they heard something they never heard before and they feel hope and they can seek that out. Yeah. And most of the time, one is not exclusive. So it doesn't mean that because you're trying this, then you have to completely forgo painkillers or completely forgo if it is a surgical thing or completely forgo the therapy, for instance. But when you understand this, you can start thinking and realizing, well, if it is something that I'm carrying with myself physically, it's going to take a lot of verbal therapy to overcome it, or we can combine both. And I think that's where it becomes very, very powerful. Yes, it's definitely the combination that can be extremely powerful. And, you know, it's with the awareness that we then can make those good choices. Exactly. So it always gets back down around to this foundation of the awareness that you're practicing. The feeling, the awareness is the healing. So you have to practice that to get the clarity that you want for your own journey. Exactly. Well, this has certainly been an enlightening conversation so far, but before we say goodbye and we wrap up, what are your top two or three recommendations based on what you see with your patients, with your clients every day that you would give to the people listening to us right now who might be thinking, you know what, maybe that is something that I need to look into. What are the top two or three things that you recommend they start with? Well, I think I'll go with the awareness as number one, but what I'm going to say about that is that there's such easy ways to start that journey. Start journaling, you guys. Just write a few things down every morning about how you're feeling and what's going on. Because as you move that energy from the inside to the outside by writing it down and out of your head, that changes things, it shifts the energy, and then you start to read things and you think, oh, (laughs) you surprise yourself, you know? So use your journaling as an awareness tool. It's very powerful. The next huge thing is you can start right this moment, even as you're listening to my voice with a deeper breath. We didn't talk a lot about breathing or breath work today, but it is a very powerful tool for awareness and healing. I get afraid of using the M word meditation because sometimes people think I mean sitting on the pillow for an hour with your legs crossed. And honestly, all it can mean is just a few deep breaths, right? And then maybe third would be starting to notice your thoughts and really understand how much time in the day you're spending in negativity versus positivity. And just the noticing is the first step because automatically as you start to notice that, it's going to give you an opportunity to flip it and switch it to something that serves your health better. So how's that sound? 
That sounds great. You know what? We've spoken about meditation here before. I'm a big fan of mindfulness and of meditation. And you're absolutely right. Most of the time when people have never meditated, they think that it's all about getting their special pillows and the dark room and their mantras, right? But in reality, it's all about just focusing on your thoughts and just trying to be present in the moment. And it just takes a minute. That's all it really takes. So thank you so much for sharing those with us. Now, finally, before we do actually say goodbye, where can people find out more about you, what you do? I know that you have a lot of different online courses and things like that. Where can people learn about these things? Yeah, the best way is to just come find me on my website, bravehealer.com. And you can also find me if you're a Facebook fan on Facebook forward slash kick ass warrior goddess. <laughs> well, there you go. That probably won't be forgetting that one. We will link to all of those resources anyway in our episode notes. We'll make sure that if there's any additional resources that Laura has for us, we'll make sure to put those there. And for those of you who have been listening, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. It's been a very enlightening opportunity to chat with somebody who sees things differently. But honestly, it has been a breath of fresh air. So thank you so much, Laura, for stopping by. Thank you so much. That was an awesome conversation. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been episode 18 of the Highwood Health Show. For the entire episode notes, head on over to dre.show. That's dre.show forward slash 018. Once again, this has been episode 18 of the Highwood Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy. I look forward to seeing you in the next few episodes. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless.